Well, history buffs, let me ask you a question. The date is April 14th, 1912. One of the greatest civilian tragedies the world has ever known occurs on this date. What is it? The Titanic. The Titanic. You are correct. The Titanic happens, and that was the breaking news of that day. This, this ship that was supposed to be indestructible, this ship that was unsinkable, the ship that had the best engineering, the best design, and the best production, and all the latest gadgets was supposed to be unsinkable. That day, it hit an iceberg. And within the space of three hours, it went from unsinkable to the unthinkable. It descended into the depths of the sea, and it took 1,500 souls with it. 700-some were rescued. They lived to tell the story. But 1,500 people perished that day because of an iceberg. Now, I don't know if you know much about icebergs, but I think the real value in this story is not to retell the tale of the Titanic, because there's lots of lessons that you can learn there. There's hubris, there's pride, there's arrogance, there's bad character in the rescue, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? We're not going to tell the story of the Titanic from the Titanic's view today. Here's the value for the story today. We're going to tell this story from the iceberg's point of view. Bet you've never heard that, have you? Think about it. If you're the iceberg out there, you say, okay, I may not look like much on the surface, and these ships that come through may not take much notice of me. But what they're seeing of me is about 10% of what I represent. So if you look at the blue picture, if you kind of take your hand and just block out that bottom piece, that looks pretty formidable. I mean, I wouldn't want to run into that. But if you take your hand away and you look at the whole of what that is, I wouldn't go anywhere near that. That's immovable. That's not something that you want to tangle with. The picture within the picture, uh, at least according to history.com, is potentially the iceberg that the Titanic hit. Now, how do they know this? Because the rescue crews that were out there the next day or two noticed paint scrapes on this iceberg. So imagine being in this unsinkable ship, the, the latest and greatest of engineering, and seeing this at night and swerving to miss it. It's not like they ran into it headlong. But what they failed to take into account was what was underneath. And what was underneath ripped a gash 300 feet long below the waterline. And so literally, within three hours, it was sunk. What a tragedy. What, what a, a loss of life unnecessarily. And there are a lot of people who mourn that, still do. It's, it's etched in our memory now, why am I talking about this? Bill, it's supposed to be Christmas. This is supposed to be happy. Uh, and how does this get spiritual? Bear with me. We're going to tie this all together in a bow by the end. But I want you to think about the power of that iceberg. That 10% that's seen doesn't look like much, but the 90% below it makes it immovable. I'm thinking that'll preach. When we're deeply connected and deeply rooted, we too can be immovable. We can be rock solid in our Savior. That's what the first century Jews had been looking for, and that's what they were missing. As a first century Jew, they had a great hope, and this is, this is what we're talking about in this season of Advent, that the Messiah would come, and that Messiah would change everything. And he would, but just not the way they expected. 
this great Messiah of what they were expecting was someone like a, a King David again, or, or maybe a Joshua, a warrior that would come and overthrow Rome. But you know the problem with that? They were looking on the surface. They were looking on the 10%. They were looking out vertically and seeing all the other kingdoms and thinking we can overthrow Rome and reestablish this great kingdom again. The problem Israel had is that they got disconnected from everything that was below the surface. Now, how do we know this? If you go back through history, you know that at one time they were a great kingdom, King David, King Solomon, but somewhere in the process they got disconnected from the iceberg. I would say they became ice cubes. Now, imagine being the Titanic and running into an ice cube. <laughs> Did you even feel it? Yeah, and that's where Israel is because they got taken into exile. They were taken away. They lost everything. You know the story. And this Messiah was supposed to come. And the promise, as we heard the, the Rogers family read this morning, is that his name, among, among other names, would be the Prince of Peace. Peace is what the Greek speakers, Irene, would have heard. But if you're a Jewish person in the first century, the word that you would have heard is shalom. If you were here for the Epic of Eden study, you know the significance of this word and the significance of the role behind Jesus in this. See, Jesus is the kinsman redeemer. What does that mean? It means if someone wrongs your family, the kinsman redeemer will come and will make it right. Now, you can use your imagination on what that looks like, but it's not just vengeance. It's, it's not revenge. It's to restore, to make and set right again. That was the kinsman's redeemer's job, however it needed to get done, to erase what had happened and make it whole and right again. That's what shalom means, to set right again. So if you're a first century Jew and you hear this prince of peace, oh, he's going to be the one that comes and sets things right again. Well, no surprise, probably, that they were expecting King David or Joshua or even King Solomon. But they had become disconnected and they forgot about the 90% that operates below the surface. That's the most important part. So when Jesus says these words and, and he is thinking about his connection to the Father, there is one, I mean, if you look at his conversations with the disciples as he grows up into a man and he has these discussions as he's about to leave, he tells them, I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To translate that into today's parlance, if you have seen the tip of the iceberg, you have seen the whole of the iceberg. There's depth there. There's strength there. And it turns out there's peace there as well. So when Jesus says these words in John 14, 27, I want you to hear it from this uh, angle of restoration, of setting things right again. Every time you hear the word peace, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. These are the words of God and they are for the people of God and for these words we are grateful. That's the peace that Jesus is talking about. That's why we can't find peace just simply from an absence of conflict. Is that how you go about it? Because that's usually what I think of. When I think of peace, it's an absence of conflict. How many people have a special spot that they go to, a man cave or a, a, a place that you go when you just need to get away from it all? Yeah, 
I do. You know how long that lasts? As long as I'm there. Because as soon as I come back, everything is still the way it was. And so where's the peace? How many of you are going to have family come visit for the holidays? How many anticipate that being a peaceful experience? You don't have to raise your hand. You're on camera. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? That we wish there could be peace or we wish that absence of conflict and everything would be still. But let's ask ourselves, honestly, how many times in your life has that ever existed for any length of time in your life? Almost zero. So I got some bad news for you today. If your definition of peace, if, if what you're seeking when you think of peace is an absence of conflict and everything being perfectly still, you're going to be gravely disappointed because that's not the world that we live in. But this peace, not as the world gives, as our Redeemer, our Savior gives, is different. This isn't peace because of circumstances. This is peace despite the circumstances. The iceberg is a great illustration of this. If you think about when, when like, things get churning in the sea, do you think the iceberg really cares? Ta, that's all you got. That's nothing. I'm still upright. Can't take me out. That's a little bit of iceberg arrogance there, but you get the idea, right? There is solidity. There is foundation in that iceberg. And there's nothing of this world, of this surface world, that's going to take it out. Not even the Titanic. Not mankind's best efforts can take that out. But here's the danger, I think, for both Israel and us today. Like I mentioned before, I think we have allowed ourselves to become separated. So we're not actually icebergs, we're ice cubes. Compare the iceberg that you just saw to the mighty iceberg that I contain in my hand, master of my destiny. It pales in comparison. It can do nothing in the sea. In fact, it will be tossed about in that sea back and forth. It'll be worn down, worn out, and pretty soon blend in like everything else. How does that happen? Well, with Israel, it was pretty straightforward. They, they, they got pretty heady and high on themselves and started looking at the world and think, hey, this looks pretty good, and other things started blending in. And when other things blended in, they cut the difference between the tip of the iceberg that was their chosen people. That was what the world saw and that relationship to the Father, which was everything else, which is, by the way, way bigger than the iceberg I showed you. And as that happens and they begin to be tossed about to and fro and worn down, they begin to look like everybody else. They get taken into exile. That's the way it happens. And so this Messiah that we have prepared for, the arrival of this one who is the Prince of Peace, is the only one who can pave the way to take that ice cube and rejoin it to the iceberg. See, we had created a fracture. We were separated from God. When he comes and he does what he does, as only he can, he creates a way for us to reattach to the strength that is below the surface, the strength that the world can't see, the peace that he gives that the world cannot give, the peace that the world cannot take away either. That's what this Messiah does. It's not the way that they expected. It's maybe not the way you expect I know a lot of times in my life when I invite Jesus in and I have a good time of prayer or something like that, I'm like, God, there's this problem. Please take it away. And sometimes he does. And for that, I'm very grateful. But sometimes he doesn't. 
and, and the waters roar and foam, the sea shakes, and there's turmoil. So it's not about an absence of conflict. It's about his presence in conflict, his presence in us. It's about our connection to God. That's what the Messiah does. He creates the path to reattach to that giant iceberg. If you have this thought in mind, if, you, if you've thought about what it is to reconnect to this power of the iceberg, I want to look at an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse and hopefully keep this image in your mind and, and see if it makes a difference in how you read these verses. Psalm 46 is one of my favorites when times get rough or when I struggle. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The iceberg doesn't care. The ice cube is in big trouble. I encourage you to read the rest of Psalm 46 because it's a great psalm of praise in the midst of conflict. It goes on to say that God is our refuge and strength. It goes on to talk about us being still before God. It goes on to talk about the, the host of armies that is at God of Jacob's command. It's a wonderful psalm in time of trouble. And with the iceberg, we can take it. Here's another one out of the New Testament. This is Ephesians 4, uh, the second half of verse 12 through 14. It says, in the purpose of us coming together in the unity of Christ is so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And let me pause right there for just a second because a lot of times when we accept Christ, that's the end of the journey. Just like we talked about the last week, you can't just say that I'm a son of Abraham. You can't just say I'm a Christian, so I'm good. No, you're, you're newborn. Well, Bill, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Yes, but have you been a one-year-old Christian 30 times? Or have you grown to a 30-year-old Christian? There's a, there's a big difference. That's one of the things that we're going to be talking about in 2022. How do we grow into this full stature of Christ, and what does that look like? Well, today, it looks like an iceberg. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth in the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by every cunning and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. I am convinced that the North American church is slowly losing its way. And I am convinced that it is because the enemy is chipping away at the difference between the tip of the iceberg and the rest of the iceberg. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. It's a myriad of reasons why. Maybe it's just, I don't think I need it, and so it's not in my attention, and it kind of separates without me noticing. Maybe I'm so busy that I haven't noticed the separation. Maybe I've noticed the separation, but life and the seas, I, I'm so focused on the surface that I have forgotten that most important connection, and whether through apathy or inattention, it just has slipped away. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to put guilt or shame on anyone. I'm just saying, how is your connection? Because mine comes and goes. I'm going to be honest with you. Some days I'm, I'm all iceberg. 
I'm, some days I'm, I'm not even ice cube. I'm like Q-tip. <laughs> that made no sense. Think about that. <laughs> Actually, pray about that. <laughs> but here's the thing. There is a world out there, that, if you believe this, there is a world out there that would purposefully attack that connection because it knows it can't beat you if you're with the iceberg. It can only beat you if you're an ice cube. And so the enemy chips away. If it were a one-time good thing with a sledgehammer blow, we would pick up on it. We would go, whoa, what's going on here? But it's more insidious than that, I think. At least it has been in my life. Where the times where I've had that wake-up call and said, whoa, how did I get so disconnected from God? That's the times that I'm glad that I have a community, that I have a family of faith. For me personally, that I have a community group that I can turn to, that I have a family in faith that will pray for me or pray at me. Sometimes that's what it takes. I'm so grateful for that connection. But it's so easy to let go of and forget. So as we prepare our hearts for this arrival of this Messiah, this Prince of Peace, the one who will restore that connection to the greater iceberg, I want you to take stock of our lives and ask ourselves, am I an iceberg or am I an ice cube? Because if we are the cube, today is the invitation to rejoin the big picture. And here is the big picture. Here's the best iceberg of all. We only look at the tip of the surface, but I want you to look below the surface of this iceberg. It's the best. It's the deepest. It's the strongest. It's the widest. It's whatever adverb you can throw out there. That's what it is. It's all-encompassing. And lest we forget who it was that did that, well, that would be the Prince of Peace that did that one. April 14th, 1912 was a bad day in history. The unthinkable happened on that day. I want to transport us into, I'll just pick 2030, to another unthinkable day in our future. There's two possibilities. The, the one unthinkable thing that happens is that by 2030, North America has become so disconnected from our faith that we've all become ice cubes and we've melted away. And there is no recognizable Christian presence in North America. Unthinkable, but possible. Let me paint a better picture, though, because in 2030, there's another possibly unthinkable scenario. And here is the unthinkable scenario that every one of us recognizes that there's a fracture. And every one of us recognizes there's only one way to repair that fracture, and that is through this Prince of Peace that comes in this season. And we all wholeheartedly give ourselves to that. And we are restored, made right again. Shalom. Unthinkable? Hard to imagine when you were just looking at the surface, but very possible. Why is it very possible? Because the creator of the universe, the God who made all things and his son who visited here to create that path has a plan. His plan will not be thwarted. His plan is to make things right again. So word serve. Today, right now, is the time that we decide which side of the story will we be on. Will you be an iceberg or an ice cube?
And if you're feeling the fracture, feel the Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of the Son, Jesus Christ, this Prince of Peace that comes to make all things right again. God, forgive us when we don't follow the path that you lay before us. Forgive us when we don't notice the fracture that happens between us. God, we're not here to judge, to guilt or shame anyone into a relationship with you because that's not what you would have. You sent your son so that that would be taken away. And for that, we're eternally grateful. But God, my prayer today is that we would start today to begin that march toward a vision of unity. That we would not only restore an individual relationship with you, but that we would restore as the body of Christ the relationship that makes us all strong. And God, where we lack in that, give us your Holy Spirit and your grace to see what is possible, to experience what you've already done for us, and to grow into the full stature of Christ, so that even though the waters roar and foam, we will not fear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.